0: Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, let's. what do you say? Let's jump in. We're going to pray first. So, Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. And right now, I just release the goodness of the Lord in this place. Father, I pray that you would pull back the curtains and that you would just show us who you are and what you have to say about each and every individual person. Tonight, I just pray for individual encounters with you. Father, you know where we are at, and you are a big enough God to meet each of us at our needs. And so, as you pull back the curtains, bring the spirit of revelation. Bring the spirit of understanding. We pray for the spirit of wisdom. We ask you, Lord, to enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we would know you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, guys, well, um, if you have missed, like he said, the first two weeks, they're recorded. I hope you can go back and you can listen to them. But I'm going to do a recap really quick on what we've been talking about, and so we we first talked about foundation, and we read a scripture. And if you it, hopefully you got a paper here, and there's a lot of verses on this, and you can take it throughout this week and go back over it. But let's just read together Matthew seven twenty four through twenty seven. All right. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and, the, and beat against that house and it fell with a crash." So we talked about building our house up on the rock, which is Jesus, or building our house up on the sand. And so this is a dramatic illustration here, but it gets to the point that what what, are, what is our foundation? And we talked about how important what we believe is. And so I also use the story in the illustration is that we invest in rental property. And Buddy always says when he goes into a house and he looks to see... Uh, if the foundation is, is good in that house, one of the first things he checks is if the door shuts. And if the foundation is not good, so many times that door will not shut. Or you will see cracks in the wall. So it's so interesting how this we can flip that, and it's a spiritual illustration also, is that when our foundation is not up on the rock, which is Jesus Christ, is that there's, there's cracks inside of our walls of protection because when we ask Jesus into our heart, when we are saved, we come and, we, and he puts a wall of protection around us. But if our foundation does not stay upon him, then it is on un, unstable ground and the cracks in our walls. And the, uh, the, the doors may not shut. And what happens when spiritually when we have an open door? Yes. Yeah. Is that the enemy? It's an open door. He is roaming. The scripture says he is roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. I saw, I saw an interview one time on this. This man was an ex-warlock, and he said that he had um, he saw into the spirit, evil, spiritual realm. And when he saw someone walking down the street and they had a like, like a candle, he said it was like a light inside of them. He knew he could not curse them. He knew he could not touch them. But when we do not build our house up on the rock, we get cracks in our foundation. And we, we get those doors that don't shut. And so we talked about that. And we talked about the enemy, he uses temptation to enter in to us and, and to attack us. And that temptation comes three different ways. And I'm just recapping here. I really broke it down last week If this spurs something in you and you weren't here last week, go back and listen to that. But we talked about our mind. Our mind is one way that the enemy comes in. And so we talked about how the first thought is not our responsibility because every thought you think is not necessarily your thought. The enemy can drop a thought into into your mind. But our second, if we think that same thought a second time, it's our responsibility then because Scripture says in Corinthians 10 verse five is that we're supposed to capture every thought and we line it up with jesus christ and if it does not line up with christ what are we to do we, yeah we're to throw it away so i just i just picture this wastebasket in my mind and it's like oh that does not line up with christ and so we pull that down and we throw it away so the thoughts that that our mind that the shame the the um the the lies that we believe they're all different but it's all it's all from the same source so our mind is what can put us on a bad foundation can put cracks in our walls the door will not shut and the enemy boom he's roaming around remember he's looking whom can i whom can i attack and when you you continually think these negative lies and this sabotaging thoughts from the enemy that you have now taken agreement with your door is open so what are you agreeing over your life? So then we're going to go to the world. And I, I just love this because I got a revelation when I was studying this the first week. Is that I saw the scripture that said Satan is the prince of this world. And then I saw a scripture that said that the, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So how did, how did, it just didn't make sense to me. But once I started digging in, I realized that Satan is the prince of this world is cosmos, and it means systems. So Satan is the prince of the systems of the world. So when we look at any organized system like education, uh, government, you can just go on and on. Religion, you know, he, that's where he comes through, any type of systems of this world. And so do not conform to this world, Right. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He warns you of that in Romans 12. And he says don't conform to this world because you see what happens is that the world, Satan, will use that to come in and get you to conform. I told you last week if, if our grandparents or our great-grandparents rolled out of the grave and showed up and watched the evening news or watched a few of the Netflix episodes that, you know, are so popular right now, they would like what in the world? And we talked about the illustration of how you bull a frog. And how you bull a frog, you put it into cool water, and then you turn the temperature up a little bit at a time to where it never realizes that the temperature is getting warmer because it happens so slowly. And then all of a sudden, the water is boiling and the frog dies. And that is the illustration of, of what's going on in the world right now. So the world will come in and tell you it's okay. Everybody else is doing it. You know, it's just the times we live in now. Well, I'm sorry, our foundation is the Word of God. Does it line up with Scripture? Because if it lines up with Scripture, then we can agree with that. But we cannot let the world conform us, and so that's how the enemy enters into our life. And then another one is the flesh, and that's our desires from, you know, all kinds of desires that the human flesh has, from gluttony to to sexual, to, um, to materialistic, to all of these things. And so when we get our eyes off of Christ and then we, we, through our mind and our world and the flesh and Satan comes in and attacks us, then the door, you know, swings open a little bit. And we're thinking, how did we get here? How did, you know, my life is a wreck. But it is just through those open doors. So we talked about that. And then we, the good news is, is we talked about how to be set free. I want to back up a second. I, d- I did want to touch on this. is because I want to clarify that we did talk about how the, the mind, the world, and the flesh, Satan tempts us with that. But when, when that door stays open and we stay in that sin or we stay in that lie right there, it keeps the door open. And what does he do? He grabs some of his buddies and he comes in and they build a fort up inside of your mind. And so, when you're reading in Corinthians, and it says pulling down of strongholds, what a stronghold is, is when the enemy comes in and he builds a fort and he hides behind it, to where no longer you think you recognize that as sin, no longer do you recognize that as as evil that is that is not of God, and you have this fortress in your mind that has been built up, and it's a it's it's. Um, It's something that we have to pray, and we have to ask God, God, I I pray this a lot, God, am am I believing a lie? God, if there's any area in my life that is not the truth that I'm believing a lie, then just reveal that to me. Because it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal the lies of a stronghold because the enemy's hiding behind it. Do you see what I'm saying there? Does that make sense? And so we learned last week some really cool stuff. We learned that John 16, 33, this is an amazing verse. In the world, in the systems of the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Take hope. Fear not. I have overcome the world. And so that word overcome, it actually means I overcame, I'm overcoming, and I will overcome in the future. It's a continual living word. And so that's really exciting because we now see that Jesus has overcome the world. And we also have scriptures in there that says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He has dispelled the forces of darkness. I mean, we could go on and on for the rest of the evening and talk about the scriptures that prove that Jesus Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that... that in that his name is above every name and so i love this illustration and we've talked about it uh, each week here but i want to go and i want to read i think i uh i think i did i put that in here okay on the on your second page ephesians 1 19 through 23. so it's talking about that power and you hear people say the same power that raised jesus christ from the dead lives inside of you So let's read that scripture. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Pay attention. And God placed all things under his feet. And appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Okay, so this scripture says that, you know, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it lives inside of us. He's he's praying for the believers to awaken to that. But then he also says, um, and God placed all things under the feet of, G, uh, of Jesus. And he said that Jesus was the head. This is the scripture right there that Jesus is the head and it says the church is the body and then it says all things are under the feet. So that lets you know that we have authority in Christ. He is the head. We are the body. Scripture, scripture just confirms it and confirms it that he's saying I give you authority to trample on snakes, to trample on scorpions, to lay your hands on the sick, to go out to preach the good news. And so we have authority over the enemy, but why are we beat up? But why do we have um, the shame? Why do we have the addictions? Why do we have the tormenting things that the enemy comes in? Well, what are we thinking? What are we believing? What have we partnered with as a lie? It can be as simple as I'm stupid. You know, If the enemy comes in and he, he says something over you that probably was spoken over you as a child because that's how he gets in so many times, yeah. is that if you had negative things spoken over you, if you've had abuse in your life, and then you have partnered with that to be truth over yourself, and it's left the door open. So we learned how we unpartner with these lies. We have authority over the enemy. And um, another scripture that I would like to look at on the first page here before we go on, is Isaiah 53, four through five. I don't have a slide for it, but we're going to read it. It's on the first page. And years ago, I did a study on Isaiah 53, and I studied what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so for my whole life, it was salvation, and praise God for salvation. But when I started reading the Word, it was like it didn't stop at salvation, what he did. And so he did some things that I don't want to leave in vain. Let's look at that. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions and he was, <clears throat> excuse me, crushed for our iniquities. And when you break down the Greek word for iniquity, iniquities, it is, those, um, it is those strongholds. It's those curses. It's that way you're bent that you don't want to go there, but, but you keep going there. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. And so I encourage you to take some time and to look at Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. Build your faith up with what Jesus Christ did on the cross, because we're we're leaving some stuff on the table. So it wasn't just your ticket to get to heaven. It was for a victorious life, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but it was John 10, 10. Um, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came for you to have an abundant life. Study the word abundance. It's overflowing. It's more than enough in every area of your life. Wow. And so when, when I discovered the fullness of God, it was like, um, I, I told somebody this past week, it was like revelation. It was like if you're sitting in a living room and, you're, and the curtains are shut and you've never opened those curtains, and then one day somebody comes in and they pull back the curtains and there's this beautiful backyard, and so that's what revelation is inside of your mind. It's the pulling back of curtains that you're seeing, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was there. And so that's what, when we're praying, and if you were here a couple of weeks, these past few weeks, you heard me say it, pray Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. God, I ask you for the spirit of revelation. I ask you to pull back the curtains in my life and let me see you, let me see your kingdom, let me see your truth, let me look into your word and have that understanding. I pray for the spirit of wisdom. God, enlighten the eyes of my heart that I will know you better. And then it goes in to um, what we read a little bit ago and that power, God. Let me know that power that you have given me, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that lives in me. And I told you there was a man that came to me from South Africa when I was starting my journey with really discovering who God was. And he says, pray this every day. Pray Ephesians one seventeen through 23 every single day. And I wrote it into a prayer, and I started praying it. And that is about the time frame that my eyes were opened up, that the curtain was pulled back. And I started seeing, because the scripture says that he has so many mysteries that he just longs to reveal to you. Um, so we talked about all this great stuff. And we talked about the power that we had. We talked about how when we have strongholds that how important it is that we go in and that we how important it is that we go in and we build back these walls. See, so I, I want to take you to a scripture. I know you're here last week, I know we read it, but we gotta do it again. And it's Matthew twelve, forty three for through forty five, and it's the last scripture on the first page. When an impure spirit comes out of a person It goes through a red places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and it takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person, this is scripture, I'm not making this up. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be. In this wicked generation. So what that scripture means is that we can come in, and I had a, a I had an old man tell me one time that um, that I really respect. He says, "You know, Kelly, casting out a demons the easiest thing." And at the time, I'm thinking that that kind of rocked my mind. But now that I've stayed the word, I mean, the name of Jesus. It has to bow to His name. Everything is under it. Okay. So really, casting out a demonic spirit. Now, uh, uh, a Christian cannot be possessed, but you can be oppressed. And, I mean, we're all walking in stuff. So, nobody's arrived. We, we've, we're all walking through this process. We all have lies that we've agreed with, okay? So, when I say, you know, demonic spirit, don't freak out. It's it's just, if you're partnering with a lie, there is, there is an evil spirit of God that is suppressing you, okay? So... Uh, um, so the, the thing is is that that scripture says is that we can go out and we can cast out that, that spirit. We can cast out that lie. We can pull down that lie. We can, we can, we can toss it out. It has to bow to the name of Jesus. But it says that if you don't fill the house clean, if you don't repair these walls right here, what's he bringing back? Seven of his buddies. And if he comes back, and you have not repaired the walls. You see, repentance is, um, this is repentance, is I'm I'm going to church, I heard Pastor Jeremy preach, God convicted me, God, I just repent from that. Repentance is a U-turn. It's like, I'm not going that direction anymore, I'm going this direction now. And so we have to repent. But if we just come and cry and say, I hate that I did that, I'm sorry, and then we get up and we keep doing it. So... He said that we have to repair the wall. And so what we learned is, is this is how we clean the house. This is how we stay in freedom, is that we confess, I'm guilty. I'm not making excuses for what I did. I'm not okaying it. I'm not comparing it with, you know, that's what the world does. No, it's sin. And your word says it's sin. And so I confess that I'm guilty. And so now I disown that. Renounce is a word that kind of freaks people out because it's not a modern word that we use. And so uh, I hate using renounce because then people's mind just like blows up. It's like, what the heck is that? Well, it's just like I disown it. I disown, I no longer agree with I'm stupid. I no longer agree that I'm homosexual. And so we confess it. We disown it. And then if we have any, we talked about forgiveness, we, we need to release that. And then we build the wall back up. And so when we build the wall back up, that's it. I'm going to obey your word. I'm doing that U-turn that I talked about, and I'm going this direction now, and my life is disciplined to be obedient with you. I'm refilling. So that means, like, if I've told myself I'm stupid for just a lack of um, simplicity here, then every day I'm saying that, that I have the mind of Christ, that I have wisdom, that I have, um, that I have an, that I am, an, I am intelligent. I, you know, you just start speaking those things over yourself. And so you refill and then that's rewiring of your brain because we talked about our brain is neuroplasticistic and that means it can change. And when you continually think a thought, it's imprinted in there. So we have to go through a pattern of, I break that and I'm filling it back in with the truth. Okay. So I know that I talked about this last week, but it's so important. I mean, I need to be remembered. I need to remember this. We all need to be be reminded of these. And so that is repentance right there. And that is why you, God help me here, that is why we see people continually stay in sin and say, I, this is just who I am, or I can't help it, or whatever it is, is because... Deliverance isn't taught in the church. I mean, I guarantee you, you haven't been to too many church services that taught you, hey guys, this is, this is biblical, this is spiritual, this is how you um, get free from the hold of the enemy. Because Jesus Christ gave us the authority over that. And so when we learn that it is a Spirit, that, that we have authority over and that we disown agreements that we've made with that spirit, and we, we forgive, we release, and then we just start obeying and turning from that. So that's a little bit of what we talked about last week. And so I went home after Wednesday, and I'm like, all right, I was, I was reading some scriptures, and one word that really caught me was the word Go in Matthew and in Mark, at the, last, at the last verse of each one of those chapters, he's telling them to go, to, to go make disciples. He's telling them to go preach the word, to go preach to every single creature. And he says these signs will follow you when you go. That, that you will not be harmed, that you will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. And so I just get really excited when I read those verses and I was like, yes, I want, to, I want to talk about go. I want to talk about preach the good news. I want to talk about to you that when, when we say go, it doesn't mean you have to go to Africa. It doesn't have to, and it doesn't even mean you have to be on Main Street preaching on a box. You know, that God gave you gifts and talents and passions and desires, and whether it's to to be a roper or to to be a doctor or to to be a life coach, to all of these things, to work in the factory. I don't know what that is, but he's giving you hobbies and he's giving you desires, and it's like that's your tools to go out into the world, the systems, and to preach to every creature. And so with our lives, I wanted to tell you that you are uniquely created with a purpose that he, he gave you before you took your first breath and then the lord spoke to me. Oh, I wanted to remind you of Isaiah 61. It's one of my favorite scriptures before we go on and I just want to I want to read that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this in a minute, but you see scripture supports that Jesus lives where in you. Okay? Okay, so so really we're like one with Christ, right? And so we can claim what he said over our lives because he lives in us. Is that right? So in Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. So I want to remind you of that. That the Spirit of the Lord on you for you to go out into the world. And I got really excited about it. And then the Lord said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Put the brakes on for a second. He says, because I, before I went to my disciples and before I told them to go, he said, I ate with them. I walked with them. I cried with them. I spent time with them. We laughed together. We had so many conversations together. And so the Lord just told me to hold on and put on the brakes is that not to bypass the most important thing. And before we can go, we have to have relationship with the living God. Amen. And we have, to have, we have to have encounters. You see, Jesus Jesus was made to be experienced, not talked about. I'm going to say it again. Jesus was made to be experienced and not talked about. And, and this is probably one of the things that gets me the most excited because I talked about him most of my life. And then when I met him, and then when I experienced him, and then when I encountered him. You see, one word from God can do more than six months of counseling. And I support counseling. But I'm telling you, if you're not hearing the voice of the Lord, you're missing out. And so today, I just want to talk to you a little about in encountering the love of God, the relationship, through sitting with him, through abiding with him, through walking with him, through hearing him. In 1 John, it should be 4.16, I think my paper says 5.16, but it says God is love. And so when we encounter God, what do we encounter? Love, every single time. And then it goes on to say that perfect love casts out fear. So as we encounter God, discovering him is a love story. And he wants to romance you. He wants to draw you in and he wants to tell you how much he loves you. And he actually doesn't want to do all the talking and he doesn't want you to do all the talking. He actually wants to have a continual relationship, a continual conversation with you 24-7. And so prayer prayer should be like we talk to God and then we get quiet and God talks to us. And then we talk to God, and then we're quiet, and then God talks to us. And that's why I can't sit down and pray without a pencil. Seriously. And I say journal, and all the men get all tight, you know. They don't want to go journal. I'm not saying you've got to write a bunch of words. But I know your memory isn't that much better than mine, probably. And so if you're sitting down with the Lord, there are things he has told me that I, that I have forgotten. And there's things he has told me that I was so glad I wrote it down. And it just helps you focus. And so I encourage you, you know, as you're spending that time with the Lord, keep maybe a pad and a pencil. And and really, I'm a bullet point girl. i like, let's get right down to it. And so I don't have a lot of words on my papers, but I have a lot of bullet points. Actually, for years, I had a calendar. And every morning, I'd get up and I'd pray, and I would just write down a few words that God told me that day. And it is so cool to go back. I've kept them. And I looked about what he was speaking to me on those days. So as we, as we discover him, we, it's, a, it's a love story. And in Romans 2, 4, just continuing on, but it says it's the goodness of the Lord that draws men unto repentance. And so as we sit with him, as we sit with love, because you can replace his name with love because God is love. As we sit with love, and as we pray and he talks to us, then he starts to draw us into repentance. And so have you ever felt convicted and it felt good? Yeah, because God is love. And every time he gently convicts you of something, it's like, this is amazing. Now, if you have the feeling of you're a loser and a bunch of shame, it's probably the enemy attacking your life, right? And so as we go in and as we encounter the living God and the goodness of God, he helps us with that repentance thing. See? See? But we're not. The world has conformed us into busyness of life that the most important thing's not the most important thing anymore. I told Buddy, I said we live in a culture that, like, we feel super good about ourselves if we were totally busy that day and that we check marked everything off our list. But this past few weeks, I've probably spent. I bet I've spent. 30 hours sitting with God trying to prepare these lessons with you. And you know what? That's valuable. I may not have mowed my yard, but I heard God. I'm just telling you, we got to change some of this thing. we got to take care of our responsibilities. Don't get me wrong. But we're like, we feel good about ourselves if we're super busy. And maybe not everybody, but it's the culture. And so we've got to learn that sitting with God is the most important thing. So when we encounter God, we encounter counter love in its truest form we see differently we think differently so when I when I am spending my time with the Lord when I am in relationship with him I see you differently I see myself differently I see my situations differently oh I can see through his eyes it's from a high up view it's a looking down view He can take my emotion away, but I can tell you, if I'm in a place of high emotion, then I just know what's wrong because I haven't spent time with the Father, so it changes our perspective. It's a higher look on things, and so Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, they're meant to be experienced, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about how to create an atmosphere to hear God. How to Create an Atmosphere to Experience the Presence of God and the Love of God. And I told them earlier, I was like, you know, I'd struggle with this a little bit because it's so simple. And, and the world has conformed us is it's like, oh, you know, it's not a priority. But I just break that in the name of Jesus. And I pray God pulls back the curtains and that he pierces your heart. I pray he pierces your heart that this is the most important thing. So, there's a 17th century monk from France, and his name is Brother Lawrence, and he's very famous. So, I see a few heads nodding. I knew some people would have heard of Brother Lawrence before. But uh, there's a book called Practicing the Presence of God, and it's about his life, and it's a phenomenal book. He was given the dull task of kitchen duty. So, every single day, he had to do the mundane same thing, and that was cooking for everybody in the monastery. Until one day, he had an encounter with God, and he realized, the curtains got pulled back, and he says, I realized that whether I was peeling potatoes or whether I was at the altar, that I could encounter God. That I could have conversations as, as I'm cooking with God, and people could come in, and things could be going on, and I would view it through the presence of God. And so he's very famous for his life Because he had the aha understanding that he could have the presence of God no matter where he was. I remember a time in my life when God started drawing me. And it was like, it was that aha moment. It's like, oh, it's not meant for just Sunday morning. It's meant for when I go out into the rodeo world. When I am sitting with my family. When I, whatever it is, that this is to go with me all the time. It should be a habitation of the Holy Spirit. And so um, I'm just believing that God's stirring up a hunger for us to walk 24-7 in the presence of God. And we're going to talk about that. So I do want to mention that in Matthew 3.16. All right, let's go. You can turn the next page if you're reading along. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures here just to build our faith. And I'm going to jump ahead of myself. But faith. Okay, faith pleases who? Faith moves a what? Would you say faith is important? Faith comes by hearing. Spiritual ears to hear. Hearing comes by the word of God. And that is another thing that the enemy has tried to steal away from us is a desire and a discipline. You think it's a dirty word. Discipline to get inside of the scriptures because the enemy knows if you get into the word of God then you're going to hear and you're going to have faith and that is going to bring you freedom and you're going to expand the kingdom of God so let's look at Matthew 3:16 as soon as Jesus was baptized so John the Baptist baptized Jesus and he came up out of the water at that moment heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove And alighting on him. And we see in scripture the heavens were open when Jesus was baptized. When Jesus died upon the cross and he was resurrected, it says that the veil was torn. And that's the next scripture. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. So at the very moment that Jesus took his last breath, it is documented that The the high priest had to go in And they had to do it Once a year they did this um, Sacrifice for the sins of the people And so they had to go Behind this veil Nobody else could go in there Only the high priest When Jesus died upon the cross The veil was torn in half And we talked about it It took 300 men to put that veil up They said it was like three hands thick And it's split in two What does that mean? That means that we have access into the Holy of Holies. It means the heavens were opened up. Scripture says the kingdom of heaven is, without, is, is within hand, within reach. But we're so used to looking with these eyes on everything, right? And so we got to start looking with these eyes on it. And so moving on, I just want to build your faith and, and make sure that we're standing upon the same foundation that the Word of God says. Jesus Christ sent the Holy Spirit. So in John, we're just going to read these couple of verses here. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He says the the Holy Spirit, you know him. He lives in you and he will be with you. Um, moving on, John 17, 20 through 23. I want to read a couple of scriptures. My prayer is not for them alone. Man, I love this scripture. So Jesus is praying in the garden right before he goes on the cross, okay? So he is praying to God in the garden. It's one of the last prayers he prays on this earth. So let's look at that. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. It is for, it is for, um, it is for the future believers. Okay, this prayer, stay with me. Buddy's phone rang. I know it got you off. He said, I'm praying for the future believers. So, which is who? Which is you. Okay. My prayer is not for them alone, meant the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you and me. You as God. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as, a, as you have loved me. Okay, I'm going to go on a rabbit trail for a second. Okay, let's set that down. I'm going to go right here for a second. Do you see in that scripture where he says, Jesus, I'm in you, you're in me. I pray they will be in us together, that we will be in unity. The Father, Jesus, in all of us. Why? The scripture says it so that the lost will be saved, so that people will know. So he's saying, man, when you come in unity and, and, and we're all one together, when you understand that I live in you and that, 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 that you're to be in unity with each other, people will be saved. They will know me. And that is why there is so much of an attack of the enemy on disunity. From families to relationships to every show you watch on TV, it's everywhere. It's arguments, it's offense, it's disunity. Because why? Because he doesn't want people saved. And so when we understand, I'm building your faith, that Jesus Christ lives in you. Um, 2 Corinthians thirteen five, Paul says, do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Do you not realize it? And then our, our, one of our key verses that we have read several times throughout this series is Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. And that power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. So Brother Lawrence's life was a revelation and awareness that God lived in him. And, and tonight, we have that revelation tonight. It's like we know it, and we can say amen. But when you go home tonight, and when you get up in the morning and you drive to work or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and, you know, you're making breakfast for your kids. Jesus is within you. Every, every step that you take should be an advancement for the kingdom of God. You should get up and, and Satan should be scared to death of you because you know everywhere you step, you carry God. Yes. So um, God has brought some amazing people into my life to speak to my life. And one of those ladies was Clarice Fluitt. And she is a mighty, mighty woman of God that works in signs and wonders and miracles. And this is just a cool story I'll tell you because it's just cool to hear stuff. But somebody gave me her, back then it was a CD. And they said, you need to listen to this lady. So I plugged it in. And she was, she was she was like nothing I'd ever heard before. She was very unique. She actually sang um prophetically and it was i mean it was just mesmerizing i mean it was like very odd because it wasn't anything normal but the presence of god was over it when i put it in it was like the presence of god filled my car. so i had to figure out who this lady was so i so i went and i started researching her and i found i found a phone number and i thought i'm gonna call her and see if there's any way she can come to ardmore oklahoma because nobody talks like this here (laughs) because <laughs> I, I was on a pursuit to God, and everywhere I looked around here, I didn't see it. So I knew I had to go somewhere else for it. So I, I found it, I felt like. And so I had to bring her here. And so she, I didn't know, but she's very famous. And so I got, I got the phone number to her house, and her husband answers. And I said, you know, is Clarice there? And he said, no, she's at the church. Let me give you that number, or let me give you her personal number. So I hung up, and I was really young. I mean, I had a lot more boldness then, I think. And so I picked up the phone, and I called her personal number, and she answered, and I told her who I was, and I got her CD, and I had to bring her to Oklahoma, and she said, first thing she said is, honey, how'd you get my number? (laughs) I said, your husband gave it to me. (laughs) She said, well, bless his heart. And we spent an hour on the phone, and she started downloading the Word of God, just preaching to me, and, I, and, um, and then we hung up. And then I forgot about the conversation, but she impacted my life. It was what I was looking for, you know? And then a year later, they called me on the phone, um, her secretary did, and she said, do you still want Clarice to come to Oklahoma? And I was like, I remember where I was, I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> And she says, well, we can make arrangements. So actually, Crystal Rock agreed to it. And we had, were you there, Tonya? Yeah, you were there, Amanda. And so we had like three nights of her coming in, and she ministered, and it was radical. And so I hosted her, and um, she wanted to go to Harry Hines Boulevard and shop. So (laughs) I took her to Harry Hines Boulevard. And this is what I remember. Was driving down the road, I mean, like you just felt like God was in the car when she was there, and she said, "God, every every mile we drive, we we take it for the kingdom of God. The same power that lives in us, we release it right now to these cars around us." She was, she was just a very highly anointed woman, and the favor of God, I am so honored and humbled that I got to spend a lot of time with this woman and she poured into me and I got to watch her operate in the presence of God. It was like I knew somebody could have it. I read it. I saw it. I knew it was out there. And so really, God's no respecter of persons. What Clarice Fluid had, we also could have. But here's the deal is that You and I we're kind of trained to put out our own problems. The world has trained us to be the firefighters of our own life. And so there's a fire that comes up, and so we we get our we get our axe and put our gear on and we go put that fire out. And then you know what else? You know what else happens? Then another fire comes up, and we are trained that we are the fire putter outers. Is anybody tired of being a fire putter outer? See, we forget we left God out of the equation, we forgot that we could go to Him. Yes. Or, what about this? Remember, whack a mole? <laughs> it's like our life is whack a We feel like we have to carry this, this um, hammer around with us, and every time He pops His head up, what happens when you bang it? Another one pops up, and it's over and over and over. That is the way we are living our life, but. But Scripture doesn't say that you have to be a be a moe guy. <laughs> scripture says that in this world you'll have tribulation. But chill, don't worry, fear not. I've overcome it. I've overcome it. And I'll give you the recipe. I'll give you the, the instructions. I'll give you the blueprint on how to walk it out. And, and that blueprint is the Word of God. Did you know that scripture says that the word of God is living and breathing? Because it it is Jesus in flesh, the word is. And so that's why it says meditate it, write it on the tablets of your heart. Because your heart is the wellspring of life. And the wellspring of life is the source where everything flows out of. And so if I wrote the scripture, then everything that flows from me flows through Jesus. And that's why you have to write the scripture on your heart. And, it's, and there's that bad word of discipline again. I know I say that and we just kind of cringe. If we ran to Jesus, like we run to put out the fires, like we whack the moles, how would your life change? Because if we discipline ourselves to focus that we, he is in us and 24-7 that he is there with us. That constant aim. So in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, let's look there. And it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's it. That constant aim. Fix. It. Can you fix your eyes on Jesus? What is it going to take? What is it going to take for you constantly to remember to fix your eyes on Jesus? Think about it. So um, I, think a, I think a problem is, is um, that we've lost the desire. We've lost the desire for the presence of God. It's true. Because the world has kind of conformed us and it's kind of dulled everything. And that, that frog has bowled a, a little while and we don't realize, you know, that we've changed from getting in the cold water to now it's almost a boiling and so the desire has been stolen, and that desire got, gets stolen through those same temptations that the enemy uses. Remember, I told you in the beginning, he comes in to tempt you through your mind, through your flesh, and through the world. And so we have, we have just allowed our mind, worry, offense, shame, the lies. We have allowed the world, the programming of the systems. We've allowed our flesh. You see, the scripture says your flesh wars with the spirit. So if the flesh is an enemy of God, when would we ever listen to it? That's an enemy of God. Why would I listen to my flesh? Why would I get angry? Why would I fill in the blank? So many of us can't remember the last time we heard the voice of God, that we felt his presence. Or if we did, it was like a roller coaster. It was like, oh, my gosh, I heard his presence, and, and then I'm way down here, and then I'm way up here, and then I'm way down here. And if you've read my book, you heard the story that I talked about. I remember where I was, and it used to be Radio Shack. We don't have it anymore. It was by the Sonic on Grand, and i pulled up to the stoplight. And I had just been an emotional roller coaster for most of my life, is that I would be up one day and down the next. And I, you know that time when you just get your your – you're just sick of it. You're just, you've got to the bottom of, and so I was at the bottom of it all, and I was like, I called out to God, and I was like, God, I'm sick of being a roller coaster, and I heard the voice of God deep down in my soul, and this is what he told me. He said, Kelly, I am the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Imitate me, and so I went home. I really didn't even know it was a scripture. I went home and I discovered it was a scripture and I wrote it down and I put it on my bathroom mirror and every day I said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and tomorrow. I am the same yesterday today and tomorrow. I imitate Christ. And then I would get back up the next morning and I would say I am the same yesterday today and tomorrow. I imitate Christ. And do you know today my husband said the biggest compliment that he could give me was that I'm the same every single day. And it it's Christ in me, but it is through the discipline of not wanting to be an emotional human being anymore, not, not to want to ride the roller coaster anymore. He delivered me from that, and I'm walking proof of it. So as, as, uh, as we understand, we want to live that abundant life we talked about, and there's a lot of scriptures here, and um, I'm getting to the end of my time, but John 10.10, 10, to live that abundant life is that I'm going to give you a few tips. I'm going to give you a few tips here, and we're getting to the to the end of this, to where you can take home with you and you can start walking uh, continually in the presence of God. And so what we are is we're like a hanging basket. And so if you if you bought some flowers at the store at springtime and you, you hung your hanging basket up, when it gets dry and you put some water through it, what happens? It just runs right through. I mean, man, that water runs right through it. So the next day you go out and you water it, what happens? The water runs through, but it's just a tiny bit less. And then you do it again and again and again until it starts holding the water. And so that's what we are, is that we're going to step into this and just know that as we start this, that it's like water just draining out of us. Just like, boom. Boom. But if you continue with that, you're going to start soaking it up like a sponge, and you're going to start. You're, go, you're going to get more out of it. I promise you. Don't quit just after a little bit. So, number one, I labeled these disciplines. <laughs> um, remembering God's faithfulness, remembering what He's done for you in the past. I guarantee you, if we put the, if we gave the microphone and it went around the room, everybody would have something that God has done. God has shown up and shown out in your family somehow. Remember it. Remember it. Remember it. Remember that child that you thought was never going to turn around, that you thought you were going to get a phone call in the middle of the night. And now he's serving God. Remember it. Remember what he's done for you. Remember what he's done for others. Remember what, you can go, to. if you can't think of anything, open up the Bible and remember it. What he did for Paul, who was Saul on the road to Damascus, and he visited him, and how he changed him from Saul to Paul. It's the same God. I mean, just like, stop being so busy and remember the goodness of God. Number two, consistently initiate an encounter with God by making yourself available. I mean, have you ever heard it say what will be will be? Sometimes we think well if God wants us to talk to me he'll just beam down here. But no, it's like we've got to initiate it and get some discipline in your life to meet with God early in the morning and I know that some of you don't like that. And not very long ago, I had lost my discipline. I had lost my discipline and it affected my whole life and it was like, okay, I know better. I'm just being honest with you. And so that alarm got set for 5.30. And the next morning it went off and I hit snooze. (laughs) But okay, all right, I gotta give myself a break. The next morning it went off at 5.30 to now it goes off at 5.30. And when I started getting up, it was like, dang, I don't wanna do this. Go in there and make the coffee and sit down, and, you know. But now I wake up at 530 and it's like, God, I want to meet you. Yes. Because I was that hanging basket. And then I kept doing it and kept disciplining it. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm meeting with God again. Um, so when you wake up and, and you're, you're grumbling, remember, it's okay. It's okay. Okay, number three, make the word of God a priority. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of God is a priority in your life, and I'm not telling you you got to go read chapters. I mean, if it's just a couple of verses, and, and you're breaking it down, and if you if I, one of my favorite studies is the Sparkling Gems by Rick Rayner. and that is something that I love. And you can you can take that and you can study the word with it. I can give you uh, I can give you that if you need it, the information. Number four, jot down what he says. It helps you focus. It gives you something to go back to. You know, something that I have noticed is that God will tell me something, and I may be in the presence of God. I may be praying, He may drop something into me, and I'm like, Yes. And then I go out into this world and that emotion from being in the presence of God leaves me. That good thing I wrote it down because I gotta go back to it. You know what I mean? Because God tells you to do something, and you think, I'm gonna go change the world with this. And then you're like, Oh, no, I don't feel it anymore. So yeah, I'll write it down. Number five, and here we go. We're ending up number five. Practice the art of silence. And so um, I've 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 talked with a lot of people. I've life coached a few people earlier in life, and um, so when they were struggling, I would say, okay, tell me what your silent time looks like. Do you have quiet time? And I would get the deer in the headlights look. Like most people don't sit in silence. But I've seen my biggest breakthrough by just shutting up and sitting there. And God says, be still and know that I am God. And then as I'm there and I, and I just sit in the presence of God, he changes the way I think. He fills me with more love and patience for people that I have a hard time being patient with. He changes me. So... Sitting in silence. So I'll just quickly go over those again. Remember the faithfulness of God. Consistently initiate uh, time with the Lord. Number three, the word of God. Number four, journal. And that doesn't mean a lot of words. Just write down what he says. Number five, silence. Practice the the art of silence. Be still. So here we go. I'm going to end up with this. This is the artificial tree. And so this is our lives. Some of us are artificial Christians. There is no life inside of that tree; it is fake. But we look at it on the outside. You know what I mean? If I, one of my favorite questions used to be when I was around some of some of my people that you know that I did communion with, is, is I and I would say, "What's God telling you?" We may sit down at lunch. I'm like, "What's God telling you?" So that artificial tree is like, if I asked you what's God telling you, you were like, nobody's home, you know. (laughs) So then there is the tree that gets, it's a real tree, and it gets chopped down, and it gets put in the, in the, uh, in your house, and you have to water it because it's disconnected from the source, okay? And so you've got to go back. So you have some times that, you know, feel alive or whatever, but you're, you're really not connected to To the vine. And then, guys, there is the last scripture of the day. And that is Psalms 1, 2, and 3. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord? And who meditates, and if whoever's gonna play, you can come on up. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night? That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So that's who we are. We are planted by the streams of water. And there's your declaration over yourself. I am planted by the streams of water. You are a tree that is rooted and firmly grounded in the Lord. That you produce fruit. What is needed for that time so that when you go into work or you go in... To whatever that is and there is a need you've been by those streams of the water and you got just the fruit that's needed for that person at that time may God give us a desire for him that is my that is my um, gift I have for you tonight is, to, is the prayer over you and the prayer over me God give us the desire for your presence So, Father God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for every single person the sound of my voice. And I just loose desire in this place in the name of Jesus. The areas that have been numb, I just speak life. Breathe upon them. Bring them back to life, Lord God. Let us remember everything that you've done. I just speak encounters with you, Lord God, over your people. I just, I lose grace over their discipline. I pray that you would make it not so hard. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you have mysteries that you want to reveal to us. I thank you that you just want to talk with us. I thank you, Lord God, that there is a world that's dying and does not know you. And God, I ask you to break our hearts for that. God, we repent of a hardened heart. We repent for the systems of the world, the hindrances that we invited them in. We just turn from that, Lord God, and we look to you. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We throw off all the hindrances, and we ask you, Lord, for desire. We just delight in you, Lord. As we end up, I just say, let's just stand up and worship. And as always, we never want anybody to leave that needs prayer.